2: faith talk tampa online at letstalkfaith.com download the faith talk tampa app
0: following is sponsored by verse by verse ministries and is pre-recorded
2: and there are times you feel like quitting and there are times you feel like i don't need this anymore Why don't you quit? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you can't quit serving Christ. Now, you may move around from one area of service to another, but you can't quit serving the Lord because the Lord, you know, has called you to serve him. And you are not your own. You belong to him. And you'll never be satisfied not serving him. You see, your perseverance in the midst of suffering for Christ proves that the Lord is so real. And you know what? It proves that he's worth suffering for. No one will ever stumble over your conduct when your conduct reveals a Christianity and a Christ who's worth suffering for.
1: My mom used to say, I worked my fingers to the bone and all I got was bony fingers. You know, it often seems like the more we try to do for the Lord, the tougher it gets. Life often seems unjust. Years ago, comedian Jack Benny received an award. He commented, I really don't deserve this. But then I have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. You'd think, though, in a church, the leaders who are working hard and sacrificing daily for Jesus would get treated better. Sometimes they do. My church is a wonderful example in that regard. But that seems to be the exception rather than the rule. We'll explore that more fully today on Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We've been studying 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for the past few days, as we've considered some things that hinder the gospel. In verse 3, Paul admonished us to give no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited. If we walk about being born again, we need to show we are born again, to walk worthy of the calling by which we've been called, as Paul told the Ephesians. So grab your Bible if you can, and let's get started. Here's Pastor Steve.
2: You know as well as I do that Christians live in, uh, when Christians live in conflict with the high standards of Scripture, we're laughed at by the world. They mock us. They, they, they laugh at us. They ridicule us. They call us hypocrites. They, they just make jokes about us for being such phonies. They mock us with skits on such television programs as Saturday Night Live and the old church lady, self-righteous woman. They mock us with old Hollywood and sometimes new Hollywood movies, old ones like Elmer Gantry. Television shows that depict ministers and Christians in, in general as self-righteous people who are always harping and preaching to others, but they're living immoral lives and they're dishonest and they're money hungry. And that's the way the world sees us. And the world laughs at us. And the more they, they laugh at us, the more the gospel is disgraced. But more than the ministry being disgraced, God himself is actually blasphemed by those who represent him. Let me show you what I mean. In Romans chapter two, Paul in the first three chapters of Romans is putting various groups on trial to show them that the world is sinful and guilty before a holy God. And in chapter two, verse 17, he turns his attention to the self-righteous Jewish person who said, I have the law. I obey the law. I will come along and teach ignorance and foolish Gentiles the truth about the law. I know everything that they need to know, so I will be their instructor. And Paul is going to just pull the carpet out from under them. He says in verse 17, but if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, the foolish meaning, meaning the Gentiles here, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. This is just dripping with self-righteousness, pompous pride, arrogance. Paul says, let me tell you something in verse 21. Let me tell you something about yourself. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, you dishonor God. And then watch this. He's quoting from the Old Testament and applying it to them, and it applies to us. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. What, what an incredible statement. Unbelieving Gentiles looked at the evil behavior of the Jewish people who claim to know God, claim to love God, claim to represent Him, and they blaspheme God because of their behavior. And their attitude was this. Look, if His chosen people, the Jewish people who claim to be His chosen people, if they don't honor Him by their behavior, if they don't obey His law, then He must not be worth honoring. He must not be worth knowing. If he doesn't mean that much to them, then certainly we're not interested in hearing about him. We'll go back to our idols. God says that's blasphemy and we're responsible in some respects. See, folks, this is precisely how the world responds to the sinful inconsistencies of Christians in general and church leaders in particular. They look at our lives and they see hypocrisy. Let me, let me show you Titus chapter two. In Titus chapter two, Paul just hammers this again about what our behavior should be like and how it, how it impacts others. We're not just living the Christian life because we want to have so-called victory in our lives. We want to be a good testimony for Christ. We number, number one, we want to please the Lord, but number two, we want to be a good testimony for Him. But in Titus chapter two, let me begin at verse one. Paul says, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. So he's telling young Titus, speak, speak the truth, speak clear. And sound doctrine. And here's the sound doctrine. And watch this. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love uh to, to love their children. To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Watch the purpose here. Why, why should any of us, older men, older women, younger women, why should you do all of this? Verse 5, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Because if you don't do this, you're dishonoring the word of God. You claim to believe the word of God, then obey it. There's more. Verse six, likewise, now he turns to the young men. He says, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. He's speaking to Titus now sound and speech, which is beyond reproach so that the opponent. Here's another reason so that the opponent, meaning the opponent of Christianity will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Do you see his evangelistic heartbeat here? do this so that the word of god isn't uh, dishonored do this so that your opponents the opponents of the gospel can't have anything bad to say about you anything that would be valid i suppose they can come up with all kinds of bad things to say but make sure that the charges aren't aren't going to stick they're false charges if you suffer peter says make sure you suffer as a christian and not for your own sinful behavior so in all places in many places god's word says this listen our behavior should indicate that Jesus Christ is real, is special, that we, we love him. That's to be our conduct. If we claim that he's the one true God, if we claim that he's our Lord, if we claim that he's the only way of salvation, we ought to live in such a way that we prove those things are true by our lives. Now, that's how the gospel can be hindered when any one of us, especially a church leader, is guilty of misconduct. It could be anything from a scandalous issue such as moral misconduct to an unethical business practice. I mean, this is income tax time. I hope you're having integrity on your forms. It could be an attitude of anger or bitterness, or it could be something like we see with these tele-evangelists, uh, people who, who preach a gospel of health and wealth and prosperity as they sit on their, their little golden thrones uh, at the TV studios. And, you know, um, if I wasn't a Christian, I would look at that and say, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't even like the way they look. I don't even like the way they dress. It's gaudy. I won't mention names, but you know what I mean. But that's how, that's how unbelievers look. They make jokes about that. Whatever it might be, the world takes notice and they laugh at the gospel and they say there must not be anything to their message or their God because their lives show that they don't take their Christianity seriously. If they took their Christianity seriously, they'd live a different way. They practice what they preach. And so they—they this, in their mind at least, validates their excuse for continuing to reject the gospel. So how do we show them? How do we show them that the gospel is true, that Jesus is real, that what we believe is is valid? We do what the Apostle Paul did. We live the way Paul lived. We prove that we are genuine servants of Christ and that he, meaning Christ in the gospel, uh, is a valid message by, watch this, by faithfully enduring all the hardships that come with serving the Lord. I want you to notice verse Four, and we're only going to, and five, we're only going to get into this a little bit, but I want to just kind of set the direction. Paul says, but in everything, but in everything, commending ourselves, which means introducing ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Paul represents himself as a legitimate servant of God by his conduct. Watch this in the midst of trials and suffering. He doesn't say, watch how popular I am. Watch how much money I can collect for the poor believers in Jerusalem. He doesn't say anything about that. He doesn't say, look how many letters I've written. Look how many friends I have. No, he says, I I commend myself as a legitimate servant because I have faithfully endured suffering for Christ. Now, I want you to take note of this. The key to understanding what Paul is talking about is the first phrase that introduces these, and, and there, there's a whole list of suffering that he went through. It actually goes beyond verse 5. But I, but notice in verse 4 the phrase, in much endurance. These words, I think, are set apart from all the, the other words, and I'll tell you why, because they're different. Unlike all the other words which are in the plural, this is singular this is singular, in much endurance. It's also the only expression with an adjective. It's not in endurance, it's in much endurance, which would seem to suggest that Paul intended to convey the thought that endurance marked all of his suffering and service for the Lord. In other words, the most convincing proof that Christianity is real and that someone is a true servant of God is that throughout every type of trial, every type of trial, he patiently endures, meaning he perseveres. He's He's faithful that when the dust settles, he's still serving and honoring the Lord. That's that's the proof. That's the proof. See, if you want to know the genuineness of an individual's ministry and and how serious he is about his faith and his relationship with Christ, see how he handles difficulties. Anybody can smile and say, praise the Lord when things are going well. Anybody can do that. That doesn't take a whole lot of grace to do that. But a genuine man or woman of God reveals the reality of his walk with Christ by enduring all kinds of suffering with his faith intact. It's just the way it is. That's the way Paul conducted himself. That's the way we're to conduct ourselves. Now, at this point, he doesn't specify his sufferings, but um, he does tell us in general uh, in general terms what those sufferings were like. And, and the point being is that he endured them all. He lists in verses 4 and 5 nine specific afflictions that he endured for the sake of Christ. And these nine afflictions can really be broken down into three categories. We'll only look at the first one this morning. General trials, trials that every leader, every leader in, in a church context, spiritual leader, Christian leader endures. He says in verse 4, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God. This is how you know if someone's a real servant. In much endurance, and what he means is this, He endures in afflictions, he endures in hardships, he endures in distresses. Afflictions, hardships, and distresses are broad, general words that describe the various pressures and oppressive situations and difficulties that Paul faced and that, quite frankly, every Christian leader faces. may not be exactly what Paul faced, but we all face these trials as leaders. The principle is this, those who serve Christ will have trouble. It's inevitable. And by not turning away from their respective ministries, and I I mentioned several ministries before, by not turning away from them, you prove the genuineness of Christ and his message. Those of you who serve in this church at Lakeside, in any leadership capacity, understand the difficulties of ministry. You understand that. There are pressures and demands put upon you that, that you face that are not pleasant. They are not pleasant. There are times when you feel like, look, I have enough problems at work. I don't need more problems at the church. Nobody needs them, but we get them. We get them. There are people conflicts. There are misunderstandings. There are um, sometimes misunderstandings because of a lack of communication. There's a lack of responsiveness to people. You pour out your heart to them. You counsel them. You go over the scriptures, and they don't listen, and they don't listen. All kinds of, of difficulties. You work very hard. You get no thanks for it, and many of you get no pay for it. And there are times you feel like quitting, and there are times you feel like, I don't need this anymore. And then why don't you quit? Why don't you quit? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you can't quit serving Christ. Now, you may move around from one area of service to another, but you can't quit serving the Lord because the Lord, you know, has called you to serve him. And you are not your own. You belong to him. And you'll never be satisfied not serving him. You see, your perseverance in the midst of suffering for Christ proves that the Lord is so real. And you know what? It proves that he's worth suffering for. No one will ever stumble over your conduct when your conduct reveals a Christianity and a Christ who's worth suffering for. That's Paul's point. When the world criticizes the ministry and mocks and and laughs at us, Paul says, let me present my life to you by God's grace, nothing that he had on his own. And he says, look at all the suffering that I've endured. I've been faithful. I've been loyal to the Lord. Would I do this if there was nothing to Christianity? Absolutely not. Then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The fact that you persevere, the fact that you put up with the hassles is proof positive that your faith is real, that your God is real, and you live in such a way that validates the truthfulness of the gospel. Let's bow for prayer, and as we're quiet before him, I'm going to ask you several questions and tell you something. If you claim to be a Christian, then the message is live like one, live like one. Are you living like a Christian? Morally, are you living sexually pure lives? If you have trouble in that area, God's grace is sufficient. It may not be easy, but his grace is sufficient. If you're not living a sexually pure life, then repent of that. you got to turn from that. Are you living a life of integrity, honesty, Your financial honesty. At work, you're being honest. You speak the truth. You live the truth. Your life is transparent. Are you living in attitude like you should? Forgiving one another. I mean, that's that's the heart of the gospel. We've been forgiven, so we are to forgive others. In your speech, are you speaking the truth? Not just getting it off your chest, but are you speaking in love? Are you kind and gentle? there a word of encouragement you have for others. If you claim to be a Christian, then live like one. Make sure your life is never an obstacle to the gospel. People are watching and observing. What kind of perspective do people have about Christ based on your behavior? Do they laugh at the thought that you're a Christian because your life is so contrary to what you claim to believe? And if that guy's a Christian, that woman's a Christian. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested at all. If that's the case, then you've brought disgrace on Christ and even brought blasphemy against him. And I, I can't think of anything worse than that. That's why Paul said, I'd, I'd rather be disqualified. Or I, 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 I'd rather be put on the shelf than bring dishonor to him. Your heart's attitude should be, Lord, take my life before I would ever bring disgrace to you. That's my desire. That's my prayer to the Lord story is told of a delinquent soldier who was brought before Alexander the Great. And when the great general asked the soldier his name, he said, Alexander, sir. To which Alexander the Great said, what is your name? Asked him again, he said, Alexander, sir. And then Alexander the Great said to him, soldier, either change your behavior or change your name. If you take the name Christian, but don't act like one, I say to you, either change your behavior or change your name. Don't claim to be a Christian if you don't act like one. And I want to say to those of you who lead others, you're involved in leadership, which is not easy, and you suffer for it. I want you to be encouraged because your serving is not in vain. It may feel like that. It may feel like It's in vain, but it's not. Your perseverance for Christ proves the reality of the Lord Jesus. He's worth serving, even if it means suffering. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to say to those who may not know Christ, it's possible that you have stumbled over a Christian's behavior in the past or even now. And there's nothing that I can do about that. I'm terribly sorry and grieved over that, that you've been exposed to it but God will never accept that as a valid excuse for not trusting his son for salvation. You may use it as an excuse, but it's not a valid excuse. His servants are not perfect, but he is. The issue is not what you think of God's servants. It's what you think of God's son, the Lord Jesus. So I urge you, I invite you to come to Christ. May this be the day of your salvation. And when we close the service, one of our elders will be up at the frontier and if you'd like to speak to him about coming to Christ he'd be happy to explain that to you I will give you a few moments to meditate on this speak to the Lord and then I'll close in prayer father these are sobering words from your heart to Paul to ours and there may be some here who need to repent over behavior in their lives we pray that that would take place and that they wouldn't make any excuse for their behavior We pray that we might take these truths to heart, Lord, and and live in such a way that demonstrates that we represent Christ with a clean life. Certainly, Lord, none of us are perfect. Certainly, we preach a message better than ourselves because we preach a perfect book and a perfect Savior. But we certainly never want anyone to stumble over our behavior. So I I pray especially for those in our church who are leaders, the elders, deacons, staff, deaconesses, ministry leaders, committee members, our school teachers, Sunday school teachers, ladies Bible study leaders, Awana leaders, ABLE class leaders, every facet of our ministry here. I pray that we would live exemplary lives for the glory of God. And I pray, Father, that um, those who serve, that you'll encourage them, those who lead, that they'll not um, be discouraged to to the point where they're so so down because of their service. May there be a wonderful joy in serving you. May there be an encouragement, Lord, that comes from the fact that um, it's worth it all. You're worth it all, Lord. You're worth all the hassles. You're worth all the pain of leadership, all the loneliness that goes with it. Suffering for you is worth it all because you are so worth it. So, Lord, I pray you'll take your word, apply it where it needs to be applied. I pray you'll draw people to yourself who need Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. If you're a church leader and feeling abused, like a horse that's been ridden hard and put away wet, I hope today's broadcast has brought you some encouragement. Don't give up. The greater your perseverance, the more powerful your testimony. And if you've not trusted Christ because you've seen bad examples of how a Christ follower should live, please think again. On Judgment Day, God won't care why a person chose not to believe in Jesus, just if a person believed. I hope you'll do that today. I'll give you a phone number in just a moment in case you want to talk to someone about it. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class featuring Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're interested in finding out more about Lakeside, or if you want to talk to someone about salvation, call 727-441-1714. By the way, you can also call that number if you'd like to have a free CD with the three-part sermon Pastor Steve just finished. That's 727-441-1714. Ask for message 632, Hindrances to the Gospel, Part 2. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. For more about Verse by Verse or to stream or download any of our hundreds of previous broadcasts, go online to versebyverseradio.org. If you'd like to help support this ministry, we'd be grateful. You can call Lakeside at the number I just gave or go to the giving page on our website to see how you can give easily and securely online. Again, that's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. What does the perfect church leader look like? Well, I'm not sure because there's never been a perfect one other than the Lord Jesus. So our goal as church leaders should perhaps be to emulate him. The closer we get to that, the more we'll promote the gospel, and the less we'll hinder it. Today's class ended in the middle of one of the Apostle Paul's lengthy sentences. Paul went... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence
0: Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm
0: bells.